It is Monday, the 16th of May, 2022, and this is episode 412 of Digital Outbox. Welcome to another episode. I am Chris in the hosting seat and Ian, as ever, in the, I don't know, analyst seat? Is that what we call it? Uh, no. Analyst sounds At some point, we, we need to put you back in the host seat just to... Uh, it's always a disaster. Yeah, not a disaster. But you can admit just, it, because even just facially, you're like, you're right, just, but... It's just better with me here. No, um, you're, you're right, but just for variety... <laughs> We don't get those uh, beautiful. I mean, we. Uh, the reason I'm giggling in the background is from the. I'm not going to repeat what Ian said, and that's the kind of delights that I savor our listeners from. <laughs> um, but let's uh, move on from that uh, gargling incident un, un, and un, unfiltered. <laughs> we always talked about it, and I remember old friend of the show Brian talked about it. Love me to do an unfiltered, um, just just speak, and uh, we couldn't. Uh, it would. It would. We could do it once. But an unfun- unfunny Frankie Boyle. <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> um, but let's uh, let's keep the sensors in place and let's go to Apple, who are also being well antitrusted. Um, so this is a European Commission um, preliminary finding on an antitrust case, and this is all around uh, Apple Pay on iOS devices. So ultimately, the submission says, "Hey, payments on Apple devices are locked down." And what the initial findings have come back with is saying that Apple are unfairly restricting access to NFC contactless payments. And it's not the fact that, I mean, their APIs open up access to go and see tags that are picked up by the NFC. But what they don't do is give developers access to the actual um, aerials or whatever they use to actually get that data. So someone cannot use the NFC capability of Apple uh, on iOS devices to actually set up their own payment um, uh, processing. And that's what the European Trust has said. There's too much money flowing through this system, which you haven't opened up to allow anyone else to use. Uh, So we think that's what needs to happen. And they will start getting fined over that um, at some, well, soon. Um, Yeah. And it, and it, cause it feels kind of open because you can see, you know, you can take your bank card, your credit card and other cards and add them to Apple Wallet. But but you're still in the Apple Pay ecosystem at that point. And you could build an app which adds a card to an Apple Wallet. Absolutely. But yep. you can't add it anywhere else. That's the point. No. And you can't turn around and go, I've got my own, you know, Santander app and I don't need to put it into an Apple Pay Wallet. I just want to use a Santander app and say, you know, have an option that says default payment mechanism, Santander app, use NFC. I've got to go. So that's the bit they're wanting to unlock and say it's anti-competitive doing it that way. And obviously Apple's arguments against that are around security, the bubble, the safety, the privacy that they make ensure and ensure on their platforms and how it will ruin that uh, that effect, that walled garden, which they've worked hard to build up. Um, and, uh, you know, they have a perfectly reasonable argument on that side, uh, but anti-competitive rules that, you know, Microsoft has faced them before, all the big companies face them at some point. And yeah, it's, it, 
it's it's a coming thing it's a coming storm it's not been quietly you know brought in we've heard about this for many many months now and and these are the first sort of things that have made it through that court system uh, yeah and there's a tap to pay kind of you know um system that's coming later this year which just it kind of extends even more so it kind of turns your your phone i think it's just phone because i'm trying to think if it's if i don't think the nfc chip sits in the ipad but it would turn it into terminal basically so somebody else could just tap to pay and um, but again, i reckon so they can pay you it, yeah wow so so it's, so it's that whole that whole um and it would support like an Android phone or somebody else's payment, you know. But 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 on an iPhone, you could only then use Apple Pay. You couldn't use another way of doing it. And and there's a whole other chat around, you know. Other apps can use things like QR codes and do other things, but it all feels a bit it's it's like working round rather than being an open partner saying, "Do what you like," which but but that's not Apple's way. No, I don't know where this is going to end up because they've proved in other countries that at the moment they're willing to pay fines. It depends what the level of that fine is and how much they want to dig yeah. their heels in, I guess. I mean, they've, they've spent 50, it's 50 million euros now they've paid in fines in Holland around the kind of Dutch dating app. Um, and it's whether they then, you know, if the European Union then started to get involved and said, no, that's not good enough. If that then became, you know, every month 500 million. You know, or, or over a you know over the course of a you know three four five months period, if it started getting bigger and bigger, or there was a threat of, we'll shut down your, you know, we'll legislate and shut down your platform in some way, which might might prove whether it is the money they're after or whether it's actually you know because it's quite nice to have an income coming in fifty million every now and again, isn't it? Um, yeah, but they've still not done enough in that dating app. They've made some more changes, and it still it still wasn't enough. But right at the end. I think they think the Dutch um, legislators are now saying they're a way to consider. They don't think it's enough, but they're a way to consider the next move. Mm-hmm. So, well, that and that might be uh, the fines are increasing substantially, yeah. or it might be uh, we understand your arguments now. Uh, in a rare spate of um, collaboration, Apple, Google, and Microsoft are all teaming up to try and get passwordless logins. It's the, it's the new buzz around. It's not even new buzz, is it? It's the direction they would like to go in. The fact that the week attack vectors on most people's accounts are username password um, and they want to get rid of it we see it individually across various different platforms different operating systems different phones that you could like for example google when you log into your google account you'll have a an alert that pops up on your phone and says is this you logging in and you don't have to then type in a password so there's and there are systems and facilities to go and do this kind of stuff and uh, fido alliance i'm not sure what fido stands for but they have a uh, an approach to this and it looks like uh, and uh, sorry and the and the www consortium as well and it looks like all of the tech providers have come together and said okay let's let's put ourselves behind this fido alliance this this method for doing passwordless login and it will mean that any device any operating system any platform can work and it can only happen if they all collaborated and so in a well frankly astonishing uh, <laughs> uh, feat of, of collaboration they're going to do that um, yeah, Fast ID Online is what FIDO, so it's a FIDO Alliance. Um, and as you said, it's been talked around for a long time. And it's interesting how they're going to do it. They're basically going to use a device as your, you know, credential um, and securely send, um, you know, I think Apple have described it as pass keys. So every you know, Apple, Google, Microsoft all put out slightly different press releases around what they were going to do and use their own kind of terminology. So Apple called it pass keys, which... So I needed quite a nice way of doing it because other ones talked about sending passwords. 
And it's like, that doesn't sound secure if you're sending passwords from my account and you're doing it securely. It's like, why are you sending my password? Um, so I talked about passkeys. So it's it's trying to do it in a smart, secure way. And it's the realization that see unless you do it across the main operating systems. Um, so notably Linux isn't here. But if you do it across if you do it across, you know, Windows, Mac, and then if you cover off Android and iOS, you're You've got nearly what, everything. Ninety nine percent of people are going to be covered around this. Yeah, hard to know exactly what percentage of it's going to certainly be a big a percentage of consumer, yeah. uh, which is where where this this lies. Um, so yeah, um, that all sounds like it's positive, and and like you say, they're all they're all kind of putting their own spin on it, but it certainly sounds positive and affirmative uh, action, and and it's that realization that you know a device is is a more secure thing than a password. It's hard, and it's, it comes back to those old days where they always used to tell you, do not whatever you do, write your passwords down. Now, it's kind of almost opposite. They say, if you want to keep a password secure, then actually in your house, in a kind of safe, is a much better way of doing it because, uh, you know, the, the, ultimately it's not available to anyone to uh, as an attack vector then. Um, but yeah, so things change over time and this certainly seals, and certainly when you're dealing with some of these more modern approaches where you don't have to constantly type in your password, it feels better from a consumer perspective as well. Um, so yeah. Good for them. Other Apple news, the iPod, it's off. It's I, done. Who, I mean, who knew they were still selling them, to be fair? But the, apparently the iPod Touch was still available to buy, although it sort of slowly just got out more and more out of date and out of touch. Oh, iPod Touch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they finally said, nope, we're not selling it anymore. And that's that's a big thing, right? I mean, it not it's not a big thing from a and actually a business or sales point of view but it's a big ideological thing to kill it off yeah so I, and that's that's what hit me it was you know the ipod touch must be you know point something of a sale you know like if you look at all the sales charts or a point oh something it must be tiny because the as soon as the iphone kind of got to a place where the cost difference wasn't so much between it and they weren't updating ipod touch because i know some people were like well i don't need the phone and um, i'm happy with an iPod Touch, a music player, and it's like no, you know, it's it's like even if you look at the, you know, if you look at the games or you look at the apps that you'd want an iPod Touch, or even if you weren't going anywhere, you'd still ultimately the phone, the phone just just ate it, um, and and in some ways because it because the headline from Apple itself was we're discontinuing the iPod, and that made me initially I was like they're still selling the iPod because I was I I think back to the iPod as the original iPod with the kind of little screen and and the scroll wheel Click dial. and yeah um I, I think back to things like the shuffle and the nano and the kind of different versions of the iPod I never the the name iPod Touch didn't really resonate with me as a product probably because I never had one because you know I had iPods and then went to iPhones you know an iPhone ate ate that market for me. Um, so yeah, it's 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 just interesting that they're now at a place where iPod is is obviously you know not a thing for them. Scarily, I've still got my last iPod that I've bought in a box behind me, um, and it still charges. Um, I've never I've never I should actually just plug it in and see if I get some music on it again. But um, I just I mean they were oh that was the I mean it was a vector in from I'd always admired Apple products, but the iPod when it came out I was like that's that's what I want as a music player. And that's what brought me into, yes, I want an iPod. And I know when they brought in, because they brought out like iTunes for Windows and it, was, it wasn't very good. I know Steve Jobs stood up and said, said it was the best app ever made for Windows. And it's like, yeah, just mm-hmm. yours. It's not, it wasn't very good. Um, but that was the thing that kind of, I got my first iPod, loved it. 
tried to run it on Windows, you know, dealt with it, and then I was like, I want a Mac. You know, and, and it's so the next, I, I still remember it, the iPod and the iMac came through in the same day, and it was just like, this is glorious. Um, yeah, and I, so I've never owned that iPod, but it was it was really the first device that just unlocked that being able to hold all your music in one place oh, and amazing. more music than you could shake a stick at. You know more. So you know, previous to that, everyone had tapes, CDs, and you know, Mini-disc. occasionally, like probably you and me, mini disc. Yeah, <laughs> we're probably the only ones. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, and they and they satisfied the music industry as well by having enough DRM in place at the time to mean that you had to go and buy your iTunes library. And buying music meant that you had your iTunes library. Uh, it was I, I, it did allow you to rip in the end, but then it was it was quite again it did it in the way that the music industry liked them to do it, and they kept them all inside. So yeah, big move to actually kill it off, but it's kind of a sign of the times. It's it's irrelevant now. It doesn't. Mean but you, to but do you also forget how iconic like the adverts were, the kind of black silhouettes, the white. You know, it just you still know, it was, you still see yep. influences on that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it was such an influence, and it's the first keynote. And I, I know there was tons of keynotes before then. Steve Jobs did, but the first one that I paid attention to is like. Because I remember it was in whatever the, you know, whatever the gadget website I was, you know, was using at that time. Because it was, you never got rumors. They just came out and did it. Oh, today's keynote. They've also announced this thing called an iPod, and it's a strange name. What the hell is an iPod? Where's, you know, it's like, you know, it's just a strange, you know, strange name to come up with. And I just watched it, and I was like, I need to have that. That that, (laughs) I want it in my life. Well, but it was just that. That to me was the. That's how I should be consuming music. You know, it was just like that's. And I know other people had a stab at digital players. It's a bit like the, the kind of mock now around how Apple they'll wait and they'll come out and say that's how you do it. You know, it's like, yeah, you've got all the. It's a bit like the iPhone. Yeah, there's all these other phones. This is what a modern phone looks like. It's going to be touch driven. You know, it's going to be, you know, always connected to internet. It's going to let you consume all your media. And it seems obvious now, but at the time it wasn't. And I think that the iPod for me was the same. Google has had its I.O. Uh, for 2022. And uh, so where they announce all their kind of uh, shotgun approach of <laughs> all the things they're doing. But they, they uh, I, I did watch the the keynote. So it was two hours, which is quite a long time. So I've and not watched. Having so I'm, read... I'm, I'm going to leave this in your hands now. And with, a, with occasional like stones. I, <laughs> I get given some responsibility. And Chris, why don't you watch I.O.? Okay, I'll do that. And I'm pretty sure now reading the notes, there was at least part of it, which I was asleep for. But let's just crack on through. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, considering the notes, there's quite a bit you've missed, Ian. <laughs> no, exactly the opposite way around. So they uh, they did come forward and they showed their Pixel 6a. So their A series um, version of their, their Pixel phone. Uh, so this is their intermediate so basically they go down to a lower cost model the pixel 6 is their kind of flagship at the moment uh, and the 6 pro as well uh, this is the 6a which slots itself in the middle and they've kind of twisted a little bit on their approach here so whereas they'd normally drop a slightly lower powered chip in there and maybe take some memory out uh, and but but keep things like the cameras um, as as the latest version they've twisted this they put the tensor chip in um, which is from the Pixel 6 and 6 Pro, uh, but they've actually dropped the camera itself. It's a 12 megapixel camera versus a 50 megapixel camera on the standard 6. So quite a twist in that. And I'm guessing that's because they want this Tensor chip out there because that unlocks all of these AI things that we've, we'll hear about uh, throughout. The, the, well, the, through, we heard them through the keynote, but also it's, it's their direction at the moment. It reminds me, it's Apple's strategy is usually the same. They have the same chip but they'll differentiate on feature. 
Um, yeah. But interestingly, rumour is that this year they might not do that. They might use the same chip as last year's model in the lower one. And the is it the A16 we'll get this year? So whatever the new They've version got so is, so much this headroom year. on those chips. Exactly. So some and, and so my my three and a half year old iPad Pro still just eats up everything thrown at it. Yeah. And it's and that's exactly. but I think that's the difference between if I look at the you know the kind of and I'm not saying the Google chips and the the Samsung you know chips are underpowered, but Apple really is. They they can take a break this year, and I don't think it'll make one bit of difference. They are not processor limited right now. No, you know that is absolutely um, not where they are, they are struggling. So, yeah. And I guess question for you on this one, because um, you made a comment while we were, we were doing a lovely Halo session the other day about how you were really frustrated with your one year old phone. So does it's, this tempt you in any way, or the seven that gets mentioned later on? A new phone is uh, spoilers. A new phone is in my future, but not really. All it, all that's annoying me at the moment is that if there's a bit of dirt on my finger or on the fingerprint sensor at the back of my phone, it will quite often not pick it up, and it's very it's, it seems a bit awkward. What I really need to do is just recalibrate it, and maybe that'll solve it. But it's I'll yeah, it's, <laughs> it's never going to do that. But yeah, yeah it's. For me, the Pixel 4 is... I, I still want a small phone. I'm still quite tempted by the flips. So really, a Pixel 7, as we'll come on to, is maybe, maybe, but it's still a massive device. And I'm not sure I'll really and no, head, and no headphone jack, even though they spent, you know, they spent a lot of time attacking Apple last year around like a headphone jack. Yeah, see, was... Samsung did the same. It's like there's a direction of travel. Yeah, and, and you get a tipping point, and I, I still use the... In fact, no, I don't use the headphone jack on this Pixel 4, which I do have. I use... I've got USB-C headphones, which, you know, I use so uh, as well as wireless. I know wireless has now reached that tipping point, but I still find it actually slightly... Like the Google Pixel Buds and things, I still find the audio better when I've got a proper headset on and stuff like that, so... Yes. Um, Pixel Watch. Um, so we've already seen sort of hardware leaks anyway, so it wasn't a surprise it p- turns up, but it's it's got the Wear OS 3 on it, and it's going to have full Fitbit integration to allow you to track all your health metrics and stuff like that. Um, but we still don't know what processors in there, and we don't know um, the cost of it. So there's still a bit to come. The actual device is a round um, device, looks smart. You know, you can all the kind of standard things you might expect from it. And, and I quite like the Stark uh, sort of uh, uh, watch face it's got as part of its preview. Um, and yeah, he was he was wearing it and, you know, wh- whatever. For me, a watch is never going to be a thing that I have from Google, I don't think. It, it was weird. I, I did, because the design I thought was interesting, because a lot of people have been clamoring for Apple to change their you know, rectangular type shapes up. Mm. So again, it's become quite iconic round, or oh, you can tell somebody's wearing that, you know, uh, an Apple Watch um, and I remember there was a discussion around oh should they go round, should they do something different but if you look at a lot of the, the way information flows it, but you know it's not like we've got round monitors it's not like somebody said oh as a monitor we should think about having no, a round monitor um, it's the reason that it looks it round is, is synonymous with watches right is, I mean not I, the old but, Casios, I think, but... but I think the information that you consume I, I, oh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that kind of computational type information, you know, so whether it's notifications or it's like weather updates or stock updates, I think are more suited to that. You're, you're right. The counter argument, the counter argument to that is if you have a round interface, you can 
you know do you are you really what is this obsession with stocks kind of thing this is just you know a point of anger for me but as in why do i want to look at my freaking stocks in a kind of format on my phone what's why you've got to understand i, I don't think no, the that phone is, is that for is, that no that's true you mean the watch i think that's true but i will put yeah, out i will put I out listeners every halo session we've had to the last week and a half chris has moaned about how your stocks have gone down so <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not me with the obsession. The, However, the reason I'm saying this though is I've got a, I've got a Garmin. Say, I just didn't want to see boarding pass. <laughs> yeah, I've got a Garmin, um, and I love my Garmin. It's got a round interface, and it's designed specifically for that round interface. And I never noticed that it's awkward. In fact, it feels very, you know, natural I, I, to I, consume I, data. I, I, and, and I and think I, I guess what I found a little bit jarring is I actually dug out an article round what they demoed, and I watched a little bit, and I thought the interface looked a bit. It was like oh, it's all, it's okay, and I thought if that's an okay, if that's the best you've got because you wouldn't want to show an ugly thing, I kind of worried about the rest of it. Yeah, and that's the same thing. I think it's you know Apple. There's, there'll be good reason, and there will be strong reasons why they go the route they go, and why they haven't or you know immediately gone to go to round watches because I'm sure they've thought about it. The, the downsides are probably just too great it's style over substance and and mm. and ultimately i think the market for the two watches is probably slightly different um anyway but um you know i think this is fitbit plus really. and it might and, and you're right i was going to say it might just be this is just a slightly better fitbit and they're not fussed about doing apps and lots of you know things on your watch it's just a really simple here's some notifications here's some other information that will help you here's some heart rate here's your your latest fitness you know thing that you've done you know it's it might just be that's it because we uh, don't need you know it a, a slick garmin like interface that then yeah. hooks up to yep. your phone nicely it could be all that's needed really but they also said at the same time that the watch coming alongside the pixel 7 and 7 pro so they also dropped that yeah that's coming they gave a few renders no other details uh on it but uh you know that's you know what, what do you want um who knew the pixel 7 was going to follow the pixel 6 so, you know groundbreaking pixel buds though um they've got pixel buds pro and after again a sort of a slight twist of last time they talked about their pixel buds they were like it's very important that we have passed through sound and you can hear your environment when you're in these things and and now they have gone down that this is a pixel uh, this is our pixel buds pro and hey we're going to have active noise cancellation it's going to be the best thing since sliced bread so that's their kind of selling point on these 200 dollars, so quite expensive but they've added some extra Again, they're talking about the chip they put in it, and it's going to have active noise cancellation and and uh, the special Bluetooth sort of you can connect it to two devices at once kind of thing. Um, uh, yeah, and and several colors. It looks slightly larger than the sort of standard Pixel Buds. Um, I thought so the price was alright, to be honest. You know, it's uh, I don't think it's, it doesn't seem onerous, but it's still it's still a chunk of cash, but it's not uh, it's not onerous. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again. I guess it depends what you want out of your headphones. For me, headphones walking around, I do need some outside vo- uh, noise, and they they have got the processing you can have pass through, so it's 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 there as an option. Uh, I just think to if you're really into music, you want a pair of noise cancelling headphones. You don't want earbuds, you know. Ultimately, but but you know, I'm still quite tempted by them. Um, although I've got several yeah. other wireless headsets, I just don't end up using. Yeah, for me, it's like a tipping point that I do like music, but but I don't want to wear, you know big big bulky headphones and a walk i quite like just the kind of you know yeah, air, airpods in the air good enough get good battery life out of it lets me do calls on it calls work amazingly well you know so 
easily go out and have a you know who knew that people talk to each other but I, but I, if i do have a call it is it, is, it works really horrible. well oh it's great That's, talking to people sounds horrendous said the podcaster Tensor is coming to a tablet, a Google-powered tablet, uh, pretty soon. They were kind of, you know, the Android 12, Android 12 L, large screen experiences, but they're pushing that on and they say this Tensor is definitely where they're putting it in. This is definitely that kind of Apple approach of, you know, system on a chip and including all of the security stuff locally run uh, to, to help that. And I think that unlocks as well some of these other security aspects they're talking about. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, tablets i think people are crying out for a a good google tablet Uh, you know apple have nailed this um and there's not really a fantastic alternative so so if it is a pixel tablet that comes and it's tensor powered well you know that's that's got to be a good thing although you know they've tried it several times before and i don't think they've ever made any massive impact no i still argue that there's not a tablet market there's an ipad market um and and i'm always amazed at that 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 you know i don't know if it's a combination of because even in apple i think the they still sell an amazing amount of iPads, but not as much as they could do because the software lets it down. So it's let down by yeah. the software. Um, com- you know, compare it to the flexibility I've got on Mac, and it's and it's that halfway house between, you know, phone and being kind of locked in. And the iPad, you, you know, there's always that I could do more with this if you just let me. There's no reason, especially now that all M1 powered. Um, and I do. It'll be interesting just to see what a Google, because I've always been amazed. So again, as, there's another view. Is Google really a hardware company? As a software company that every so often dabbles in hardware, a bit like Microsoft. You know, they've seen Microsoft. You'd never see as a hardware company. Yes, they've got Xbox, and yes, they did headphones. But it was only when they actually launched Surface seven years ago they started making a. Actually, we're going to start with these tablets because nobody in our business is making a, a, an Apple competitor. Nobody was chasing the high end or good design. It was all around, you know, if you bought a PC, you were looking to spend three, four, five hundred quid on a laptop that might last a couple of years. It was a bag of bits. Um, ended up full of viruses, and it was just a really crap experience. And I think they, they, for me, Microsoft went out and said, "We're going to set a different standard here. We're going to invest in proper design," and that has allowed HP and Dell and others to say, "Oh, Sony." Well, Sony was always a high-end option when you looked at a Windows side of things. I'm always amazed. And Android side, it just feels like you've got some Samsung tablets that are just bigger versions of the phones. They're good tablets, but. It's the software that kind of lets it down. So, and it's, I mean, it's a, I'm saying it's a year away. They've said next year, so it could be interestingly. Though, I think months. the Pixel Pixel Six saw quite a. You know, Pixels have been around for a while now, right? And yeah, I've yeah. been a fan of them for a while, but I don't think it's been until the Pixel Six that we've seen a real switch around. And I've seen them out in the wild a lot. As in, it's quite a common phone to see people using and and interacting with out out and about. So. I don't think I've ever seen that in a Pixel before. Maybe it's because the, the it stands out a little bit more and people, you know, have heard about it. So, but so I really like that. the bar because to me that bar across the back makes it more obvious you what phone you were running. Because see, if you look at most phones, people have got them in a case, so you don't really mm. tell. And I think that bar really it was something Samsung don't so do ma- it. You know. maybe that's it maybe it's just you notice it more because it's quite noticeable yeah, yeah. Uh, and they've certainly kept with that bar for the for the following pixel 6 and 6a and 7 have both got that bar so certainly they're going with it and maybe they're just seeing that oh we can build hardware people are buying it it's popular therefore let's try and do that that had to head there the the 
tablet as well. Google uh, AR glasses were also hinted, and this is certainly something that passed me by, but these are glasses that sort of had a heads up kind of display well. type of thing. It was, it was more after something. They kind of hinted it and then they did a bit after. But uh, again, it's vaporware because it's all those setters were working on it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a, but it's what it does show is a direction. And where we had, you know, glass before that people sneered actually went across, the, you know, across all privacy and all those kind of things. This is, you know, it's it feels like all there's enough people doing it now and, you know, products out in the wild that actually maybe some of those initial concerns and the headlines from the news are, are going to be a little bit less intrusive. Um, Google AI was a kind of massive part of the whole, um, you know, show that they put on. And it was a lot of the content and all the different content areas were how AI is helping them to, you know, think. And it really did. It does. It does and did feel like everything is moving on really quickly in that kind of AI arena. They're opening up their Lambda, which is their kind of voice and active, you know, understanding AI uh, to to sort of wider group of people. Uh, and they were just showing how in-depth it was. And I, I remember seeing a demo not too many weeks ago where, you know, you can really be very, very vague now. And it does understand multi-concept, you know, tell me, tell me, oh, you know, that you know uh, event that happens every year in December. And, and then there's that person who comes down chimneys and he he drops those things. And I really wanted that thing last time I looked and and it can understand and work out exactly what you're saying in that natural talking environment far more than you know that it's ever been able to do in the past and and, and it's that ai that allows those linkages and those networks to be built but specifically they, some of the things they they showed really clever stuff around you know if you're looking at a a shelf in a supermarket they're showing how with the use of ai and and, and understanding what you're looking at and you, if you tell it what you want to search for, I want a bar of chocolate that is uh, vegan and, I don't know, nut-free or something, it will look at what you're looking at and it will highlight on screen or via AR, however it goes to be, they will highlight the products that uh, from a, from an image that you can, that meet your search requirements. They called it Control-F for the real world and it, it kind of felt, oh, that's quite clever. It, no, it looked a really, it was a really... I guess it's one of those where I think they were just trying to highlight the level of detail they can now go to with their because because you could have you know I think, I think you know Google have certainly been leaders for me around demonstrating the AI you know you can ask its photo search for show me dogs show me gardens show me mountains show me buses and it'll I'll just pull it out and you're like that's impressive but that that level of detail down was like ooh nice. Well, it's just they, they, they say the acceleration of image processing and all that Huge. kind of stuff, but. But yeah, it was. It wasn't just that though. They're doing things like automated um, uh, uh, subtitles on YouTube videos, automated um, chapter markings in which, their videos. Which you take, you take for granted. See, when you see all that, you just take it for granted because it's only three or four years ago that was like a paid-for service that somebody had to go and do, and it's like now it's just AI's doing it. And and the fact, but it's it's yeah, it's doing it, but doing it plus as well. You know, all yeah. the extras that come along with it, and this and and not only transcribing it but also understanding the context and you know that is all being stored uh you know it's, it's again don't look too carefully otherwise call closely you'll um start scaring yourself uh but things it is ex quite an exponential growth at the moment and things are moving quick uh and the other things like they you can take a picture of uh say a, um, a dinner or a, even a, a meal online say just take a picture and say oh where can i go and order this nearby and it will go and figure out what that dish is 
where it can be bought nearby uh, and how much for and maybe you know the price that it's at and and it can again it'll understand therefore from a photo what it is the fact you want to eat it the fact that it's available for sale in these places it can do that so, so again that graph of data quite ooh, interesting in the same time, they uh, they were talking about how they are taking privacy seriously, uh, and again, quite telling that a lot of their kind of the the, the talk at the the show was how they're doing the the privacy focus on the device. So uh, things were happening on device rather than being processed in the cloud, and I guess that's again why they want Tensor everywhere. So they've got that local power to be able to do this, some of these tasks locally rather than have to offload that. Yeah, and I think that's a route. I'm, and, I, and I keep saying you know, it's a route Apple have been going down. I think you know, others have been doing the same, but that one device, you know, removing that need away to, to put And again, there's a whole thing around image processing that when you start to look at, you know, unsavory content, you don't want to be storing on your server to process it to say, oh, that's naughty. You want to be going, mm. actually, I'm not putting this on my, on my cloud service because that's not the kind of images we are going to host for you. So there's a... That's just one example, but I think it just, you know, I think there's more and more that if you've got a powerful chipset across your device and your range of devices, you can then say, right, I can now at an operating system level put that feature in and know it will just work. You know, it won't just be limited to, you know, latest device. And it will take them probably two or three years to get there, you know, around, you know, all our phones have a tensor chip. And now that now that we know that, we can do we can do this. Andrew 13 uh, kind of went over its features, but it's really, it's not a, a feature strong release. It's very much a, you know, the beta was available, I think, as, as soon as they said it kind of thing. Uh, but it's only, a, it's a, it's a, it's a double down release, not a feature release. So this is a solidify and make everything work that should have worked last time. Pixel 6 was a bit of a rocky launch because there was some functionality and features that didn't work as advertised. So yeah, Google Wallet though is back um, and not just to hold payments, but will hold passes and whatever else you want uh, in there. So it's a sort of back to being a little bit more immersive on that and more data in there. Uh, and the Google Maps is getting a different view. This is almost, almost like a, it felt that they showed London at the beginning of the the thing, and I can't remember what they called it, but it's photogrammetry, but it's just to another degree again. It's, it's yeah. quite bonkers, and it is it's built from photographs again. AI look at photographs, understand what it's looking at, can place it in the world, can use that to then go and build a three D model automatically rather than someone having to go and do it. It's crazy, and uh, they showed London, and it looked bonkers. It was another sort of next. It looked flight sim, you know kind of level of detail and, and, and precision um, all from looking at photos. And Just interestingly, nuts. I think the first time I have seen um, an Apple Maps type feature actually being slightly cloned in Google, because Apple Maps is behind Google, always has been, and for me still is. But they had they brought in a thing called flyover. So it was like in certain cities where they've obviously done their, they've had to spot our planes out, they've been doing all that. They've said, we can pull this together. And they do this kind of you know, flyover so you can see it in London and stuff like that. So you can do that kind of fly well, through. Google did it, but with sheer just quantity of data. They didn't have yeah, yeah. that flyover thing. It was just sheer quantity of local data. And well, I think, photos. I think it was local data that Apple amassed together as well. So it wasn't, it wasn't a set route. That you went, so it was a set route to watch it back, but it wasn't a. I'm just filming it from a flight. 
it was a, we've taken the data and we've worked out this is a nice tourist route around the city, but they only do it in certain, I can't remember which ones they did. There's only in certain ones. But And and, and, they, and Google said the same. It's not everywhere, yeah. but it is coming to big cities soon. And, and obviously they'll try and fill in the gaps as they, they go. Very impressive tech. And it's certainly, it's just, again, amazing how far we've moved on. Even just, even when Maps was released, it was amazing to have all that data. And now if you think about the levels on top of it, and they can take photos of uh, inside of buildings, again, from people taking photos at famous restaurants. They have completely rebuilt the inside of restaurants and you can fly around it like a drone um, because it's not, it's the AI has understood what it is and has actually built the model. So it's not just that kind of photogrammetry, which always looks a bit janky if, if they haven't got a bit of data. It actually physically built it and it's uh, nuts, man. Um Zuckerberg, though, has been... Oh, that, that was kind of... That was I.O. Uh, say was, AI, massive focus across yeah, the whole And was there anything that. else that jumped out to you? Was, I guess it's the AI bit rather than the hardware that's the big thing that's jumped out. Absolutely. Hardware yeah. almost seemed secondary to what yeah. they were talking about. It was nearly all focused around AI but, and how that was all uh, That's why I say that I don't see Google as a hardware company. You know, they're, they're a, 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 at their heart to me, they've been, a, they've been an ads business, you know, search, and, you know, they've went into, you know, the cloud computing AI you know, how can we, you know, better manage and get, and I was going to say manage your data, but also get, you know, more context out of that data. And the hardware, I think, has always been secondary. Meta hardware, though, Zuckerberg out showing a high-end Project Cambria VR headset, just, although not showing the headset, showing a pixelated mess of a headset, but nevertheless, they're, They've shown some of the sort of, you know, what you're, what, what the direction they're going in is full color pass through is one of the big things there. They, the sensor where's the existing Quest headsets have a black and white low res. Black, black and white and it's very low res. So when you do it, you're like, ugh. you know, it's like, it's not immersive at all. It's, it's like, you know, it's 300 quid by tech, you know, so it's like, you know, it's fine for what it is, but you know, you don't want to be doing it. So he's been showing a new headset, which they're obviously they're not ready to release or anything, but it's it's uh, it's it's going to take that pass through. Therefore, uh, augmented reality is going to be important to their new metaverse and and but also the higher resolution and higher quality of the headset unlocks some of those demos that we've been seeing, which. When you look at the demo and then you see the reality of where they are, it's there's a massive offset. But this obviously looks to, to fill that gap a little bit. And this is a higher end headset, so it's not going to be the the, the rumours were talking about between maybe a five and eight hundred quid price point. Um, I mean, this Quest is sitting at three hundred right now. Um, so that's they're they're trying to you know take a real step forward with hardware. So whether it's going to be you know I can't see me. It's not going to be as popular as the Quest. You know, you think you described that two, three hundred quid purchase as that kind of like, oh, I could, I could do that. Whereas nine hundred would be like, I need to. But, but if they ever, yeah. if they ever want this metaverse to be a real thing, you know, yep. they need to have a headset that actually can realise it. And the Quest's not going to do that. Yeah, that might be an easy way in in certain situations, but it's not going to give them what they're really directing. And I don't, and you know, there's a lot of investment money going after um, that kind of metaverse concept at the moment. And and they're not, you know, if you really are going to live in this place, it's got to be a nice place to to, to live. Uh, Twitter has announced its hiring freeze um, as two top execs leave. So this is more sort of shuffling and cajoling after, uh, well, the Musk's purchase bid. Um, but they're, they're kind of redoubling down and saying, right, you know, whoa, everything slow down here a bit. <laughs> We're not hiring anyone to fit it. So they, there's cost issues there, but also I think they just want to know what direction they're going in before they start filling uh, any any gaps and and Musk's been 
you know, twisting the knife a little bit by uh, saying we're going to put a temporary hole on the deal that I'm, uh, I've put forward uh, as long as, well, that I need them to be able to prove to me that less than 5% of users on this platform are fake. And until I have that information, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I'm putting my deal on hold. So it's kind of a double whammy there. If Twitter sort of goes, this all feels a bit unstable and we haven't got the cash to go and put people back in. Well, you know what's happening. Musk saying, well, I might buy it, I might not. He's kind of confirmed that he is going to buy it or he said I still intend to. But it's all a little bit, it's it's not very businesslike, is it? It all feels a little bit uh, bizarre. So, so I think the you know the the, lay, the, the two layoffs and hiring. I mean, I hate to be working at Twitter right now. If you're an employee at Twitter and you invested in the company and you believed in its you know strong direction, it was trying to take round you know less toxicity and kicking you know particularly some right wing troublemakers off the platform. You'd be like, this company's going the right direction, and it just feels like there's been a total pivot in the last what six weeks. It's probably upset a lot of people, um, you know. So it was. Uh, I'm going to murder this guy's name. Um, <laughs> so I am looking for um, Kayvon Bikepur, uh, Bikepur. So he was a head of consumer product, and unfortunately, he was terminated while on paternity leave, which feels slightly ugly way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, that's sad. Um, and he he was on. He basically said on Twitter, "It's not how I imagined leaving Twitter. It wasn't my decision." You know, he's asked me to leave after letting me know that he wants to take the team in a different direction. Um, and their head of finance um, also said he was fired, but then he deleted the, the, the tweet. Um, and then in his bio, he just went unemployed. So it's a kind of ugly, you know, it just feels like there's a real, you know, a, a real lurch in there. At Musk, I think, is just out of control. He, I think he's wanting to pull out of this deal. I think he's, you know, the... The, the stock he was going to use to leverage against this has dropped. Not the Twitter stock, but the Tesla stock. So he's having to find more money. He's trying to find other investors to join him. I think, so there's either two things. He's either wanting to pull out, and this is his way of, you know, trying to save face by saying Twitter have been lying about the number of fake accounts. Um, or he's trying to talk the price down. You know, by saying, you know, here's the fake account, so it's not worth 50 what is it? 50, 43 billion. It's worth, you know, 20 billion, whatever it's, he's going to it's, it's a kind of, it's a low hanging fruit to go after because he knows like everyone else does, even, that there are far more than 5% yeah. of accounts that are fake. On but even the way platform. he was doing it, it was like, I want to take, I want, I, I, I'm going to take a hundred random followers of me and we're going to vet them to see if they're fake. Uh, I'm asking others to do the same and we'll use that as a method. And, and like all the, all the kind of Musk fanboys were like, yeah, let's do this. And it's like, they're going to, There'll be something will come out that will say, yeah, it's like it's like forty percent because we've done this analysis, and there was loads of people going, well, that's not how you do analysis. That's you know, this is the statistically sound way of doing that analysis. You don't just do it this way. Um, yeah. but, but, also but if Twitter was, aren't willing to give that information, you can, you know that you can't do it necessarily valid. Yeah, but he's but he's but the way he describes some things, he's already broken terms of his deal, so he's announced some things publicly that he wasn't supposed to say. Um, he's also started to talk about how the the algorithm um, shouldn't be in charge of how you view your Twitter feed, which I was like, right on Elon. You know, I've always just liked, let me choose how I want to see it. Don't force me content. But he didn't even know how the product worked. You know, so it mm. was like, it ended up Jack was explaining, hey Elon, you do this and you get to see it this way. And if you do this, then it will never return to that. And I'm like, you know, where's the due diligence around what you're buying as a product? It just, it's, uh, as I said, the whole thing is is weird. Um, 
I, I just think I just think he's trying to pull out of this when trying to show some face by pulling out and going, here's why we couldn't do it. In a quite spectacular move, EA are not going to be selling uh, FIFA anymore. They will be selling a game which is almost identical to FIFA, but it won't be called FIFA. It will be, what's it going to be called? Um, EA Sports FC. There you go, FC. Uh, and they've got, so anyway, big announcement, basically. They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're separating. The license fee just ended up being, well, they're saying too big. Um, and FIFA said, fine, we'll just go and make another game then because that's easy. Um, and they're, they're, both parties are separating and, and sort of EA have come back and said, yeah, we're still going to be making games and we've got all these lovely licenses. The only thing really we're going to be losing is that when we get to, uh, you know, big sporting event time of the year, um, like World Cup and what, we're not going to be able to brand anything as World Cup or anything like that. We will still be able to have a football match and while some of the team names and things may be different, we've actually licensed a heck of a lot of them so that, ha, huh, we can still do that. Um, thanks very much. Yep, I and I misleadingly thought by time it, because it was a thing about having a FIFA Pro license, and that was the thing that Pro Evo never had. So you had things like Merseyside Red and some other bizarre, you know, like Glasgow Blue or you know, it was, you know it was, they didn't have the official teams. I think Pro Evo had was it they did a deal with Barcelona and they did that, they had like four or five teams and they had the likenesses and all that kind of stuff. And FIFA, I always thought had this FIFA Pro license, which meant they had everything, but it turns out. The FIFA name is separate to the deals that EA have done. So they've got 19,000 athletes, 700 teams, 100 stadiums, and over 30 leagues for future games. So right now, they've went, sorry, FIFA don't need you. FIFA are obviously going, ha-ha, we'll, we'll just release our own game. But so FIFA wondering... might then end up with a game with absolutely no teams in it because exactly. they haven't got the license. Oh, so my goodness. So, so bizarre that, you know, because you're looking at it going, well, are they going to cast around and find another developer? And again, the one that jumps out is is probably Konami around their expertise around football games and Pro Evo, although they absolutely dropped the ball this year. They've moved to a free-to-play model and the game sucks. You know, they've, mm. they've just made a mess of it. So it'll be interesting. I guess the only thing, if you're FIFA and you own those license, as in the licensing for football, you could probably build into your contract that by being part of FIFA, then we also have the right to do this. But I don't know whether all players would have to sign up to that. To that kind uh, of change. Uh, I don't know. No idea. So it, and it's. I mean, FIFA is such a big money spinner for them. You know. So it's a. It's a. You know, it's a big change. Obviously, they've announced it well in advance because this this year's FIFA is still coming out. It's a World Cup year it as could, well. So you know what? It could. This could well be the, the Amazon Visa. It could be just people flexing their muscles, saying, "I'm bigger than you. You're bigger than me." Blah blah blah. Ultimately, it's like something like a billion pounds they're asking for the license. Um, which is such you can see why only someone like EA can afford to make games like this uh, it's just an incredible pot of cash you've got to sell an awful lot of games to do that um, but yeah they they obviously believe that they're bigger than you know the the underlying license and I think they're probably right uh, well the interesting thing so FIFA came out with a statement I can assure you that the only authentic real game that has a FIFA name will be the best one available for gamers and football fans FIFA can't doesn't say that no, and FIFA doesn't have a great... It's a bit like UEFA. And, you know, they're all turning around as if we're some great pillars of society. You're crooks. They've been crooks for years. <laughs> Here's podcast unfiltered. Uh, no, but... Well, well it is, because I would have said Prove something. They have been no. provably crooks, because they've been... Uh, exactly. Yeah, convicted, yeah. So they're, they're talking about as if they've got some, like, you know, amazing brand that people aspire to. No, people just love football. And that's, mm. you know, and, and people... They love it love... despite your brand. On exactly. Top of 
So, um, so I, 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 I do. Twenty twenty three will be interesting just to see what our EA Sports FC because because you could also argue that FIFA has been in a real slow development for the last three, four, five years. You know, where's the innovation? Where's the diff? You know, it'd be interesting if they bottled all this up to say, here's next year's game, and it truly is transformational in some way, shape, or form. I doubt it. It'll just be more ways of spending your money. Because that's where FIFA's went to. It's all about, you know, buying packs and getting more money off you. So that's... Uh, I'm still amazed they never went free-to-play. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they did try and do something like that because there's so much money that comes from the... But but then there's so much money comes from people spending their 60 quid every year. Yeah, it's. I mean, they, they've, they'll have built the models, you know that. They can do both. There you go. That's our podcast done for this week. Um, unless you've got anything pick-wise. Um, I have nothing. Digitaloutbox.com is our website. Info at digitaloutbox.com is our email address. Twitter as Digital Outbox. I'm on Twitter as Cheesy UK. I'm not sure if I'm going to stay on there too much longer, but we'll see. Uh, where do we find you? Eendeck.com. Uh, Lovely. Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you again relatively shortly. <laughs> Ta-da. Yeah, goodbye. 